but some tips would be ask your spouse what what would get them excited to do on a date what would they look forward to do if they could plan an ideal date or something that you know in the next two to three weeks that would be realistic what would they do Uh, so just get them thinking about it by asking them Uh, i think another strategy that amy and i used to do uh, was taking turns planning dates where i plan this one you plan the next one Um, and then when your spouse does take the initiative to plan don't criticize them if you're not happy with how something went uh, doing that will quickly put them back in the stage of not planning anymore i'm amy and i'm abby and as women we are constantly comparing ourselves to others but your life isn't supposed to look like hers being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. It's been a bit since we invited our husbands onto the podcast, and today they are back. So for our new listeners, Drew is Amy's husband, and Colin and I are married. Both of us have been in our relationships for about 10 years, and we also got married in May of 2014. So one of the reasons that we really like to have them on the podcast and that it's meaningful is because they're willing to be honest and vulnerable, and they can help us pull back the curtain on our marriages. There are areas that each of us are strong and areas that we could all improve, and an important part of our message is that anyone in a long-term relationship is working at it. Abby and I feel lucky that our husbands are comfortable with us sharing as much as we do, and we're honored that they're willing to take it a step further and come back onto the podcast themselves. So thank you both for being here, and welcome back. Good morning. I missed you two so much. (laughs) Always great to be back. Thanks for having us. So we thought we'd start out on a little bit of a lighter note and and ask some listener questions. So one of the first ones was, what is your favorite type of date? For me, I'd say it's the big three, Uh, any or all of the following, Uh, a sporting event, a nice meal, or just watching the sunset from our deck. The big three. The big three, is that like a, a thing? Is that a name? I just made that up. Okay, got it. I'm like, I don't know about this big yeah, three. It should be known. Colin, what about you? What's your favorite date? I like the simple. I really do. Even if it was just sitting on the back porch with a glass of wine and kids put to sleep, no other worries in the world outside of being with my wife. But I really do like going out to eat. That is one of my the things I love the most. And so if, even if it just went out to eat, some great food, a drink, some undivided attention, that's all I need. Not having to worry about putting the kids to bed is huge. I would oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I think everyone would agree with that. So Drew, think back to those early dating days with Amy. Is there anything that would surprise our listeners? I know we know a lot about you, but anything that would surprise our listeners about some of those early days? Yeah, I think one interesting thing is uh, this was around Christmas time, and it was actually the day after Christmas. Uh, I had come to visit uh, 
Amy's sister's now husband uh, had a house fairly close to my hometown when I was up visiting my parents for the holidays. And we decided to go sledding on this random small snow snow hill near an elementary school. And we went to, I think it was Walmart, and got some inner tubes and saucers. And uh, away we went. And we weren't there for too long before we started getting more adventurous than we probably should have. And there was actually some mogos on the far side of the hill that thought it was a good idea to go down. <laughs> and uh, my now brother-in-law thought it was an even better idea to give me a push uh, to get me going a bit faster. Uh, so got going way faster than I expected to hit the first MOGO, and didn't hit any of the other ones because I flew over all of them. And as I'm in midair, I'm thinking, I'm on a plastic saucer. I might break my tailbone on this landing, so I'm going to try to bail out. Unfortunately, the bailout was unsuccessful, ended up trapping my leg underneath the sled. Oh, no. Uh, broke my leg in several places. Although we didn't know it at the time, it wasn't completely disformed or anything like that. But they just uh, towed me in a sled down to the bottom of the hill and loaded me in the car. Holy crap! And yeah, it was it was pretty it was painful. Majorly broken. Uh, well, I can only imagine Nurse Amy just like stepping in there. So was she actually supportive, or was she like, "Hell no, this is I'm, I'm getting away from this right now"? Oh, I was a personal trainer at the time, so I was like, <laughs> "Well, you were all laughing at me too, uh, not knowing that I was." pretty injured as I'm rolling around at the bottom of the hill. They thought I was actually faking it. Uh, so we got back to the house, and Amy's sister, Crystal, is a physical therapist. Crystal's been on before, and she was doing some tests. And this is very early in Crystal's day, in PT day, so uh, don't don't take this against her. But she was doing some tests, and she's like, I, I don't think it's broken, just a high sprain. So hung out. I actually had to drive back to my parents' house the next day on a broken right leg about Mm. 35 miles, Mm. which was also not uh, unpainful. (laughs) Finally, I went into the doctor, I think, the following day, and as soon as I went in, uh, a couple of residents saw me, and right away they are like, you need to do surgery as soon as possible. Uh, So they reset my leg, had surgery the next day. Uh, and had a plate and screws and all that. So I was laid up for about three months. Uh, but the nice thing was, even though Amy lived in Chicago then and I was in Madison, I couldn't do anything. Obviously, I couldn't go anywhere. So she'd drive up and just hang out with me on, on the couch all weekend and, and keep me company. So I think that's what really... One thing that I really appreciated about Amy is how how empathetic and compassionate she was. And we got at a deeper conversation and just got to know each other a lot better during those two or three months where I was on the shelf. That's when you knew she was the one. That is true. That was pretty early on too, wasn't it? Like a month into dating? A little more than that, but yeah, first two, three months. <laughs> Laid up on the couch watching Jersey Shore. <laughs> Jersey Shore and football. That's about <laughs> it, yeah. So what about you guys? Is there any a fun fact or a story that uh, would intrigue our listeners about your early days? This may or may not surprise the listeners. I'm not sure. (laughs) But the first time I met Abby was actually at work. And I had started three months beforehand. She came into the office. She was new. I came down to greet her as well as many others that were starting that same day. Yes. And 
I was in no position of wanting to have a girlfriend. I wanted to focus on my career. And I think Abby had other plans for me. <laughs> Clearly, I'm here today. We had uh, a New Year's party where her best friend and my best friend lived literally two blocks away from each other in downtown Chicago. And mind you, we were living in Dubuque, Iowa at the time. So we made plans. We said, well, we want to go to Chicago. Why don't we just ride down together? Actually, that was Abby's plan, and I went along with it. Well, on the way down to Chicago, she ended up planning our entire life on the way down. And at one point, I was looking at her like, this girl's crazy. (laughs) What were you saying? What were some of the things you were asking me? Well, it started off simple, like, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? And since it was the same, obviously, we're a match made in heaven. Um, I think I asked about your favorite children's names, which is so embarrassing, you guys. We had only known each other for, like, three months at the at that point. Definitely not even dating, like, just part of a friend group. So, uh, yeah, a little bit embarrassing thinking back now. Well, you were unlike any of the other women that I dated, and I think that's why you stood out the most. But we ended up hanging out a few more times after that. Yeah, I think we had planned uh, a bet. If mm-hmm. if the Green Bay Packers beat the Chicago Bears, I would have to pay for dinner. You would certainly pick the spot. And the other way around would happen. If the Chicago Bears beat the Packers, I would pick the spot and you would pay for it. Well, of course, the Green Bay Packers won. We went to a Mexican restaurant, and there it was. <laughs> Our first date. Our first date. Was that signed, sealed, and delivered then, that first that first date? Is that what? Yes, it was. You, you it was that. done at that point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so staying on the topic of dating, Drew, when you were dating Amy, is there anything that's totally different now? So anything that you may have learned about her, may have surfaced um, since you've lived together, gotten married, and now are parents together? So Amy's always been someone who enjoys helping people. Uh, when I first met her, she was a personal trainer. She wanted to take that then to another level and become a nurse. And from there, she wanted to help the masses. And for, so what she's doing, what you and Abby are doing, Amy, uh, with her self-podcast, what Amy and her sister Crystal are doing with their Expecting an Empowered Business, they're able to positively impact hundreds of women, thousands of women on a daily basis instead of just you know, five or six people per day. And, and all of that was important work, but she's been passionate about how do I do more in my time? I'll ask the same question to you, Amy. What about me? Well, one thing that I think has really changed over the years is that I didn't know that Drew was going to be so specific about everything. <laughs> and we joke between the two of us, we joke when we were dating. I mean, there just wasn't that much to worry about. So it's just completely different. And now we have the house and the three kids and the mortgage and everything. So Drew has turned out to be much more specific than I thought, which I think is a good balance for me because I'm not sure if our bills would get paid on time if everything <laughs> were up to me, honestly. I was just going to say that I feel like you're a great yin and yang and having the, those different personalities actually goes really well in parenting, I would think. I was telling Abby yesterday, though, I'm like, the thing is, is that I think a recurring theme in our relationship is Drew is always thinking, why don't you care more about this and I'm always thinking why don't you care less about this (laughs) so it is a good yin and yang but it's also kind of like we run into the same thing fairly consistently 
Yeah, that's a weekly, not more frequent battle. <laughs> pros and cons to that. As you guys can see, there's nothing being hidden on these podcasts. So now, now you're hearing the both sides of the story. Okay, so another question that came up um, from our listeners, so we'll start to get a little more serious now, is what happens when you guys disagree about something? Specifically, the listener was curious as to what happens when you guys disagree about something in regards to parenting. I think it's a great question. First off, I would be really surprised if you didn't have disagreements. You are two different human beings who have two different backgrounds, grew up in two different households with you know, two sets of different mom and dads or, or two parents or two spouses. And so it would be really surprising to me if you didn't have arguments. And I, I just think the, the mindset, too, that you know, avoiding conflict or avoiding those arguments is actually a good thing in reality, in my opinion. I actually think it's a really good thing, especially if it comes across in the right way and it's respectful. I think it's actually some of the best time for growth as a as a couple. And I know Abby and I certainly do our fair amount of disagreeing around parenting. And I just really want to add to this that I think it makes the relationship better when you can actually disagree. And at the end of the day, you still love each other. It helps you build conflict resolution. Um, it helps to just kind of solidify that relationship and also know that you can be different, but also still co-parent, be in a relationship while being each other, like each unique individual. Colin also is really different. He always wants to take a step back before having an argument or a disagreement to just really think about things and pull his thoughts together where I'm like, nope, let's go. Like, I'm ready. I have my bullet points ready. Well, the reality is if you get my knee-jerk reaction on something, it may not come across the right way. So it's better for me to just to think about my thoughts, come back when I'm ready to talk about it. So definitely something that we've had to work on as far as just different arguing styles and making sure that both parties are feeling comfortable. Uh while also making sure that we actually have the argument and have the discussion because it Which was you're a- really good at making sure that we do. <laughs> that is, that, that's one thing I'm good at. <laughs> no, it is a great thing. What about you guys? So it does happen a lot for us, uh, as you can imagine, and per what we were just talking about. Uh, Amy is much more laid back than I am uh, when it rega- regarding life in general, and especially parenting. Um, when we do have disagreements. Usually up front, we'll each state what we think and why, uh, but we'll usually let it sit then for a little bit, and then we'll revisit it later in the day or oftentimes the next day uh, for for some really big items, uh, and we just had a big argument last week um, where I would prefer to talk about it the next day and just give it some time and remove some of the emotion where if something's really bothering Amy, she's not going to let either of us go to sleep without (laughs) making that known and having some level of conversation about it. And because I care about her and I also care about sleep, I (laughs) I'll indulge as much as I have to, but also defer as much as I can until the next day. And, And normally Amy's okay with that, but if it is something big, she wants to have that conversation before we go to bed, and I understand that, but we're just different people. Um, on the lighter side, a common thing that we bicker about would be with the kids where like, she lets them have food many places in the house, and I do not like that. I'm more of a neat freak, and 
want food to be reserved just for the kitchen. Uh, additionally, furniture should not be a jungle gym. Uh, but in Mandy's book, that is completely okay. So those are some of the a couple things that we just are constantly bickering about. That I, I think we both have room to grow in that area. With um, <laughs> the idea of letting something go before bed, I think for me, it's a matter of if I'll be able to sleep or not. So like I know that some of it might have to be resolved or like at least I'll have to be heard. Otherwise, Drew will just be snoring and I'll be like pissed. (laughs) And so for me, that's the tipping point. It's like, is this small enough that I can let it go and sleep on it? Because I know that that usually is the better strategy. But sometimes I do just need him to hear it. and, And I would say like even that time we were pretty upset and we got resolved enough to be able to go to bed. Um, what were we even arguing about? What up? Why can't I remember? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> that keeps coming up. Yeah, you were like, you were like, because you you know everything. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, we've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, as far as the parenting stuff goes, I think something that's going to be really insightful with Dr. Eliza is when we talk about discipline. So for me, those smaller things like the eating and the jungle gym stuff isn't a big deal, obviously. Obviously, meaning I don't care. Um, but that doesn't bother me as much that Drew and I disagree on something like that. But something like discipline feels more important and it feels like we should be a united front. So for that, I just wanted to speak to, I do a lot of listening to podcasts about discipline and that's what I go off of. To Drew's absolute credit, he's willing to hear the information that I'm taking in, especially if I can provide him with an example. So if Maxwell does something and Drew has a reaction to it and then the time passes, so it's no longer... um, as emotional later I'll say babe this is another idea like you could have done it this way and Maxwell might have had a better response Um, so for that I feel like we work hard to get on the same page because for us we do want to be a united front on something as big as discipline And with my discipline, I'm much more stern, much more of a traditionalist, uh, old school in my ways. Uh, Amy is much more progressive. Obviously, she just mentioned uh, seeking a lot of podcasts about the topic and trying them and sharing examples of, of what's been helpful. And for me, I even though I'm not pursuing much of that on my own, I am very open to um, what Amy is sharing about what she's learned and why she thinks it would be useful. And I do my best uh, most times to try to implement some of those things. Um, but it's not something where I'm, I'm going out on my own. I'm just receptive to what she's sharing with me. And this, that works for Drew and I, I don't mind being the book reader, the podcast listener, um, the leader in finding new knowledge. And then it works for us because Drew is open to it and he does put it in play. So I don't have to say, Drew, you need to listen to this podcast or you need to read this book because I can see him being open to me and being open to the changes and I don't mind it. But maybe for other people, that conversation looks different. Yeah, I I can totally relate. And I really think that a big difference 
when it comes to this topic is how you approach it. Because so many times, like, and we do this sometimes back and forth where it's like, Colin, why didn't you do this this way the next time? Why did you do it this way? And there's that tone. And of course, right, if it comes at me like that or any other spouse for that matter, right, there's this wall that comes up. But if it's, you know, hey, honey, can we try doing this next time? I just think we might get a better, you know, result from this. You know, what are your thoughts? Right. And it just lands differently. And I think Abby's done agreed with you, Amy, where she does a lot of the research and she provides some of that feedback. There was an example even like two weeks ago. I was upset with something that Lucy was doing and I wanted to tell her right then you cannot do that. Stop that. And it was coming across, of course, in a bad way. Right. I'm five, nine. I like to say I'm five, nine. I'm five, eight and three fourths. You know, she's this like, you know, one foot and a half tall, you know, four year old. Right. Like I'm kind of scary. Right. To confer her. So she told me that. So next time there was something I didn't like, I got down on her level. I held her hands and I said, I love you, Lucy, but we really can't do this because I don't want you to get hurt. And it was totally different in how she reacted. And so sometimes some words of encouragement and some research and presented in the right way goes a long way. Right. I think it's all about a lot of marriage can be reading your spouse. So I can tell when Drew is really upset and he might not be ready for the feedback. Um, For us, we always want to be respectful or as much as we can be respectful to each other in front of our children. But what I've learned is that doesn't mean that I am just going to go along with anything Drew does. So if he is getting really mad at Maxwell and I don't agree with Drew yelling, I will speak up and be like, Drew or dad, you know, whatever, um, you shouldn't be yelling at Maxwell. Like, it's okay for your kids to see you guys in a healthy disagreement as long as you're talking to each other with respect. And it's okay to take their side sometimes, as Dr. Aliza tells me. And that's something that I don't think the four of us in this room grew up with that knowledge or that example. Like, it was like the parents were and you know all of our parents are amazing not saying that just they didn't have the knowledge to be like the back then the parents were like the rulers they were not wrong and we want to teach our kids of course we could be wrong what would you guys say to people who think their spouses should be doing more on this subject for example amy you do a lot of this on your own, you seek out the knowledge where I don't. What, what would you tell women who feel like their, their partner is not doing enough? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to give my answer, but then I want to hear what you guys do and what you guys would say. For me, I've always said, I can only control myself. Mm -hmm. And so taking all of this knowledge in is really helpful to my mind So that's why I want to do it. And I want to show up as the best version of myself for my children and for my husband. So I like to lead the way. I'm like, I set the tone in the house of four guys and I'm happy to do that. And like, I take pride in that. And so having Drew um, see me as the example is something that I'm really comfortable with. So like I said, since he's so receptive to that, I don't feel the need to be like, you really need to, 
you know, do this or do that. But I know other people feel different. I think it's also a lot about their learning style. So Colin, I know for sure with you, Drew, it sounds a little bit like you as well, listening to podcast after podcast after podcast, listening to therapists, reading the books might not be how you learn. So you might learn by example, or you might learn through talking with friends, or you might learn through, I don't know, watching watching a show or a TED Talk or something that might be more visual that way. So I think as long as you are learning in some way, some capacity, it doesn't have to be an hour-long podcast, but as long as you're growing in the areas you need to be growing, I think that's the important part. And also playing to your strengths. This is something that you have passion about, that you like doing, and that's okay, you know? I'll play to my strengths, you play to yours, and I feel like it's okay to share some of that. So kind of staying on the same subject, I know a lot of women were wondering how they can get their husbands more involved in planning things for their marriage. So things like vacations, things like date nights. So Drew, do you have any tips here? I know you're a planner and this might come a little bit easier for you than for some men. But... I was going to say, Drew could like write at you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just a few tips that I have to share. Um, first and foremost, I would come at the situation with grace if you are wanting somebody to do something differently. Uh, leading with an iron fist is not the way to do it, um, and I'm just contradicting myself when I think about how I discipline or try to discipline my children. <laughs> so, lesson learned. I think you guys plan that. But some tips would be ask your spouse what what would get them excited to do on a date? What would they look forward to do if they could plan an ideal date or something that, you know, in the next two to three weeks that would be realistic, what would they do? Uh, so just get them thinking about it by asking them. Uh, I think another strategy that Amy and I used to do um, was taking turns planning dates where I plan this one, you plan the next one. Um, and then when your spouse does take the initiative to plan, don't criticize them if you're not happy with how something went, uh, doing that will quickly put them back in the stage of not planning anymore uh, and show gratitude when they do take action. Uh, that's a way to a way for that action to continue. Uh, and one other tip I would say is uh, maybe your spouse doesn't know that you want him to do more of the planning. So express that in a kind way and just... Uh, mention why that would be uh, impactful to your relationship. We, we aren't mind readers, so just let us know if there's something on your mind and, and present it in a nice way. I think those are great points, and as the husband that could do a better job planning date nights, it's good for me to hear. Um, one of the things that we are trying to do is, you know, as we've had the conversation around what the ideal date night would look like, that I would plan something for Abby that would gear towards her needs and what she would like to have done. And then, you know, after that conversation about having her know what I would like for an ideal date night, have her plan it for me. So it's kind of this cool way of serving each other that doesn't feel like, you know, you're just doing something for yourself that night and only you're going to have fun and she's not. So if you kind of flip it and do it in the reverse, um, I think it's been helpful. And that's when we go to Badger football games because I'm like, okay, I can get tickets. I know how to do that. <laughs> Even though I have no idea who's playing or what colors they are. I don't know. It might are. be a long time before we get a football game, babe. We're going to oh, have to come up with something yes. else. <laughs> yeah, Drew and I actually used to do that. And we like took pride in how well of a date we could plan just 
by well how well we knew the other person and it was really fun we should get back to that sometimes sometime but switching gears a little bit uh colby one of our recent guests talked through this um, on her episode it was about confidence in parenting so colin i know you read her book and you were like i got this i do a lot of these things already what things have you become better at over the years in your parenting? This is a work in progress, and it will continue to be. But it is funny to think back to Lucy and our first child and where I was then compared to where I am now. And, and hopefully how I'll, I'll continue to progress with Green Bean that's coming in August. But there's a, some points in there that I really, really hit home with or really enjoyed. And thanking your spouse for all that they do early and often and maybe more often than when you expect to say it and and just showing some of that appreciation goes a long way. There was another point in the book around clearing the path so that your spouse can rest. And so an example of that would be doing more of the, the house tasks, doing the laundry, putting the dishes away, making dinner so that your spouse can focus on the baby. Um, I really like this third point, which is trial and error. Just try. Step in and, you know, change the diaper, you know, warm the the breast milk or warm the warm up the formula. Do whatever you can to um to learn because that's the only way for for me that I can actually learn something. I have to learn by doing. And the more that I did something, the more time that I spent with my child, the more confidence I gained. And I just remember in the very beginning feeling so timid and, you know, your wife does everything, you know, makes the baby, delivers the baby, breastfeeds the baby. And it's like, what am I here for? But, you know, I have a, I have a big role and there's a lot that I can do and focusing on what I can do was the important thing. And I think just to add in here, allowing the grace on the mom's end too. So allowing them to screw up a little bit, to put on the wrong outfit, to grab the wrong diaper bag, whatever it is, just allowing them to make those little mistakes without having to jump in there right away. What was the silliest thing that Colin did as a a new father? Oh my gosh, I can... What didn't I do? (laughs) Uh, Right off the top of my head, when he puts on the onesies, he would put them on over the pants. So it would be, <laughs> so you'd put, <laughs> you'd put on diaper, pants, and then the onesie over the pants. Um, great, great fashion. Great fashion at the Green household. I had another story that was so bad. Lucy, we had just brought her home from the hospital. It could have been more than a week, okay? And I'm trying to, to change her and swaddle her on the carpet floor, and there's this big metal round table that's right next to me. And so I was like trying to get it all situated and get her arms tucked in. And then I picked her up and I was trying to get the blanket underneath her. And as I swung her over to try to get the blanket to go underneath her, I whacked her head so hard on this metal table. And I will never forget the scream that came out of her mouth. So I will never forget that. I hope that never happens to you. But I learned from it. Trial and error. (laughs) Trial by fire, frankly. Oh, yeah. I had a pretty bad one with Maxwell in the bathtub. When he was pretty young, too, and I just, to this day, I still feel terrible about it, and I hope he doesn't have any long-lasting effects. That was the thing, too. It's like when Drew would do things like that, 
um, I could just see in his face how bad he felt and how worried he was. And so as the mom, I would be like consoling Drew. I was like, babe, he's, it's going to be okay. He's okay. Like, so just to say your partner probably already feels really bad about whatever they just did. Um, so not to like dig in and make them feel worse than they already do by themselves because Drew did a plenty good job um, by himself. I think sometimes the dads cry more than the kids do and it definitely lasts a lot longer in dad's mind than it does in those little kids minds. So we are about to welcome our third baby. When I say any day now that both terrifies me and is really exciting and we've been able to really take some time to think internally about how can we make this transition easier, not only on ourselves as individuals, but on our relationship and then also as a growing family. So Drew, you have transitioned now from one to two and then two to three. What tips do you have? I know I've said this before for tips on first-time dads, but I would say it applies for any number of children that you're welcoming into the world. Know and expect that it will be hard. I think putting that in your mind will help on the back end when it because when it does get really hard, you're not surprised by it. And nothing really does prepare you for it other than going through it. No matter if you read all the books, it's just going to be hard. Uh, but some more tangible tips would be uh, encouraging your partner to take breaks and, and determining what would help them feel refreshed, even if it's like taking 10 or 15 minutes to get ready in the morning or to take a shower or whatever it is, allow them to take breaks. Uh, additionally, I think coming up with ways that you each have your own roles um, with the kids and throughout the day can help with just efficiency and knowing who's doing what. For example, at bedtime, uh, I'm always putting Cole to bed now. It's my one chance I have every day where I know that I can spend a few minutes with him, uh, rock him a little bit before bed and, and put him down for the day. And then Amy will follow suit by putting Trey to bed. And then I'm usually the one putting Max to bed. So it's been a nice routine for us. I just wish they would sleep a little better and longer these days. <laughs> what about you, Colin? It's got to be nice just to have that rhythm and that consistency. I could see that going a long way. I totally agree. My biggest tip for, for any dad, no matter where you are, is to make time for yourself. And it's easier said than done. I really feel like the best way you can show up for your kids is if you're feeling like yourself. And you know, the fact of the matter is you're not just dad. You are yourself. I am Colin. You are Drew. And it's really important that you take time to remember that. And for me, exercise is a big deal where it makes me feel like me. And we, we built this little gym in our basement, everything going on with the pandemic. We got really lucky. It was totally random, and, uh, but we have it now, and we use the heck out of it. And now that we're at home all the time, working out in the morning and working out at lunch or looking out after I put the kids to bed, it's just a great 30, 45 minutes where I can remember that I am also me. And I think I can then show up for my kids a lot more effectively. And we wanted to take a minute to let you know about our sponsor for this week's podcast episode. 
So we have partnered with BetterHelp. As everyone knows, Amy and I are super passionate about getting women the help that they need in whatever season that they're in. So you can join over a million people who have started using this service. They are opening up more counselor sessions. They are hiring more counselors in every single state than ever before. And those numbers are only growing. So our listeners get 10% off their first month by using this special discount code. You can find it in the notes. Otherwise, visit BetterHelp, that's betterhelp.com, backslash herself. Again, for 10% off, betterhelp.com, backslash herself. And to stay on the same conversation, I know one of the questions that kept coming up was about family size. So Drew, we have welcomed our second tray and then Cole, our third. Um, And I know you're pretty open with me about how more is more. I hear a lot of women say, oh, you know, by the time it's your third or fourth kid, you don't even notice that there's another one there. Um, But I would say it's pretty safe to say that you disagree with that statement. That is safe to say. I could not disagree (laughs) more with that statement. I'll say it again. I could not disagree more with that statement. It's so much. It's it's overwhelming. Uh, it's a lot. There's just there's no way to to push a pause button throughout the day. Somebody always needs something, and uh, for 15 plus hours a day, it's just nonstop. Especially when you're home with them, or when we're home with them on the weekends. Um, but I would say one of the coolest things about welcoming. Uh, our second and third into the world was just seeing how their older brother reacted to the new baby and so fun uh, seeing how curious they were and excited they were and uh, enjoying being a big brother and especially when Cole came we had he had two big brothers and they each kind of had their own little ways that they interacted with the baby and, and and not only after birth but as the little one grows up a little bit now that Cole's one he's able to play and interact with his older brothers and they try to bring fun stuff for him to do and then play with him every morning so that's that's really a joy for us to see and I know as um, as life got busier it's really hard to make sure that everyone in the family feels cared for but it's more important than ever So as you guys head into this season of welcoming your third child, I know it's taken practice to recognize when Abby is overwhelmed and needs your help, when Colin is overwhelmed and needs your help. Do you guys have any strategies going into this third baby? On my end, I'm very vocal about it. So I will straight up say, I can't do this right now. Like I'm the kind of person who doesn't really internalize it. I just will say it straight up out loud. So Colin very loudly and clearly can see when I need to just literally walk outside or be by myself or just remove myself from the situation. And pretty much every single time he just stands up. He's like, okay, I got it. I don't even know what I'm doing right now, but I'm making sure that both kids are safe regardless of anything else that's going on. That's the only thing that I need to do right now. Um, I think in addition, we've been letting go of a lot of titles and a lot of tasks. So we've been slowly just being like, nope, we're not going to have a super, super clean house all the time. We're not going to have meals planned out for the entire week. Um, We're no longer landlords. We are 
shifting responsibilities at work. Like there's a lot of things that we are giving up because we know that the most important thing in this next season is going to be our family and especially caring to the special needs that our third baby will have. Like it's going to be a lot more work with the therapy appointments and just the time that surrounds it. Um, and I also really want to make sure that I'm being very, very present. This is most likely our last baby. I say most likely hey. because <laughs> Colin's on board with the fourth, but I am I am not. So thank you, Drew, for um, adding in all those disclaimers a little I'll earlier. Tell you what, I am not getting the surgery. At least not now. I am not getting that surgery. <laughs> that's a that's a podcast topic for another day. Uh, another disagreement right now. <laughs> But just all of that going to say, we are really trying to focus on the things that matter most, um, even if they're not really big, important things in the world. It's really, really important to our family. How about you, Colin? Anything that you do when you know that you're feeling super overwhelmed? Obviously, it sounds like you can hear when Abby is. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely vocal about it. I honestly, I think I do a pretty good job of taking time away. This is a strength of mine. I don't know if you call it that. <laughs> I have no problem going downstairs for, for 20, 30 minutes. Abby is go, 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 constantly working. It, you know, I honestly have to do a better job of asking her, hey, babe, do you need some time? It, might, it sounds like you might need to take 10 minutes. Uh, but for me, I am um, when I know I'm getting overheated, put myself on ice for a second to come back stronger. I actually think I do a pretty good job of that. Yeah. And I think you guys have some good plans with how your family is going to be able to support your toddlers as you transition. Yes, yes we do. Yeah. And I think in all of this, asking for family help, if family's not close, asking for a trusted neighbor, asking for more help with daycare. Those are all resources that we've reached out to in this season and we'll can definitely continue to do so. What about you, Drew? Is there anything that you do for Amy when you feel like she's getting overwhelmed? What do you do? I mentioned this a bit previously, but I really do encourage Amy to take time away. Go go hang out with friends, uh, socially distanced, or <laughs> go to the gym. Just get out of the house for two, three, four hours, half a day, whatever it is. I'm totally capable of being a father of three at home with them, and I know... It's important for Amy to foster other relationships and reset her mind. And actually, I, I don't mind having the responsibility over three kids um, because it it's, helps my relationship grow with them. And also, sometimes I actually think it's easier when mom's not around. They're not hanging on mom and asking for mom and crying about everything. They know everything's going to be just fine with dad. <laughs> And we get through it. And at the end of the day, Amy comes back happy that she did what she did. And I was happy to take care of our three boys. I think actually Amy could do a better job of taking me up on that offer. Uh, I say that maybe a bit selfishly because I want to do more things outside of the house. <laughs> but really, you know, Amy has gotten better at, at going and doing things. I still think she could do more. But it's one thing that I make a conscious effort to Tell her to go do whatever, and it'll be completely okay. I think that's a really good point, and this doesn't happen overnight because you had to gain a lot of confidence in taking care of your three three boys, figuring out you know how to take care of them, put them to bed, feed them, you know, make sure the house does not burn down, and you've got a, a newborn at home. 
the thing too is that Drew kind of makes it an event now. So it'll be like pizza night and they're all excited about it. And it's like something special that they have when I'm not there. Yeah, that's fun. It's dad night. Yeah, it's pizza night. Little Caesars night. I can never eat Little Caesars. <laughs> Not sponsored. Without Amy. But we can get our hot and ready and our crazy bread and enjoy it without any grief from the wife. That's awesome. This question came up a lot when we asked our audience, what questions do you have for Colin? What questions do you have for Drew? And I actually get this question very, very often as we get closer to welcoming our third baby. So Colin, with the Down syndrome diagnosis, with processing everything, we have been through one heck of a two or three month period right now. So how are you doing? Like, how are you really, really doing? <clears throat> this has been um, quite the year. And I feel a little selfish saying that because it's been quite the year for everyone. <laughs> and I can't imagine what other people are going through, you know, lots of bad things happen around the world every day that are far, you know, more difficult than the season we're going through. So I'm partly feeling selfish by saying it, but you know, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster ride. I remember when we received the diagnosis, I mean, I was in disbelief. I was angry. I was frustrated. We had really the spectrum of emotions and it was overwhelming. I mean, all these questions, right? The, the fear of the unknown that we still don't really know. How is this going to affect Lucy and Micah when they're older? Are they going to have to take care of their brother or sister? You know, is this baby going to live with us for the rest of our lives? I don't know. You know, what does this mean for my marriage? You know, it's, it's just some of these really tough things that it, I just don't have all the answers to. And, and frankly, I just felt naked. And... Um, trying to sit and answer some of these questions just felt crippling. The first person I called after we got the diagnosis was my mom, and bless her heart, she's fantastic. She's literally just like Abby, but she had she didn't know what to say. You know, she was just in as much dif- disbelief as I was. I called my dad next, and he was the first person that gave me some real hope. And I hope that I can step up like my father stepped up for me in this, you know, real difficult time. And he just said, Colin, I love you. I love all my grandchildren. And this literally changes nothing. We're going to have even more fun, you know, with this child. And you are my son. And I'll be here every step of the way. And he said that he loved me. And that was really all I needed to hear. So I I really just pray that any fathers listening, any spouses listening, you know, can show up for their children like my dad did for me. And so right as it, it seemed like the world was kind of turning upside down on us. There's just been these moments of happiness and the tears kind of subsided. They still come. I remember even just thinking about, you know, how I was going to respond to this in the podcast. There was a lot of feelings that came up yesterday and it's just gotten better every single day. And that's been a huge blessing for us. And there's just been some weird like moments to think that, you know, this really happened for a reason I remember for some reason in high school, I always had this feeling like I was scared. And it was like one of my biggest worries that I was going to have a child with um, some type of chromosomal issue. And I don't know why I had that fear. I was just, I'd always say, please, God, not this. Please, God, anything but this. 
And in a way, it feels like God placed this beautiful child in our lives to say, everything's going to be okay. Like, look, this was your biggest fear. Look how beautiful this baby is. This baby can do anything that you can do. And it's really brought a lot of calm in our lives. And so what can be deemed as such a difficult situation has actually brought a lot of love. I mean, I, I really feel like Abby and I have gotten a lot stronger together. And our marriage is stronger more than it ever has been. Our faith is stronger more than it ever has been. And it just it's just really calming to know that this was always the plan. That there is this is there have been no coincidences. There was a reason for this. And we're just so excited to be mom and dads and just blessed no matter, you know, who this baby is, what the personality is like, how many chromosomes I have. Like we get to be mom and dads and I just I'm just so thankful for that. Colin, what you just said was amazing and incredibly inspiring. I I had some comments ready to talk about how I'm I'm just annoyed that I can't do anything with this pandemic <laughs> and that I'm always around my kids and I never get a break. And, it's been hard for everyone. You know, talk about first world problems, but that's you know, my selfish way of thinking. But credit to you guys, you and Abby, for uh, thriving in this situation, this difficult situation. You guys have been a great example for, for Amy and me and for so many couples out there. So thanks for... Uh, being vulnerable and getting deep on that and inspiring that means a lot. so many of us really do appreciate it. No, thank you. It's, you know, the one thing that comes out of this, which is remarkable to me, is how much love and support there really has been. That has been so encouraging from you and Amy and from this podcast community, from our work friends, literally from across the nation. It has been overwhelming it's literally brought us to tears and to our knees and we couldn't be more thankful for that it just shows you that there is a lot of tough stuff going on and the other thing that i learned going through this was how many people reached out to abby and said hey we just got a diagnosis too or we haven't been able to get pregnant or just something hard that you would never know walking by somebody on the street like everyone has their own baggage And the biggest thing that this podcast community, this world has done for Abby and I is shown up. And we couldn't be more thankful for that. And just this season in life, we're just trying to appreciate all that life gives. The good and what can be perceived as difficult. Because on the surface, you get this diagnosis and right, I have all those questions, all those fears, and none of that's gone away. I still have all of that. But look at how um, the community has shown up for us and all of this this beautifulness has really come from this child. And I wouldn't take it back in the world, even if I could. I wouldn't want to change anything because we wouldn't be sitting here today. We wouldn't be in this place of just love and comfort without it. And so there's just – I hope for if there's anything that – Uh, anyone takes away from today that there is a lot of good that comes from the difficult situations and that is exactly what life is about life would be really boring if everything went as planned it would be so boring imagine like i I don't know where i'd be right now but it i can tell you this it wouldn't be nearly as fulfilling and loving as it is sitting with my wife here today and with all of this and with starting the podcast 
we've been creating this awesome community. Like we've been able to cultivate this really great community of women who are like-minded, who are taking the steps forward that they need to take forward. Um, And in all of this, I'm realizing that it's also been creating a net for us to fall back on. So it's not just information and tangible tips and us showing up for you every week. Like you are showing up for us every single week, every single day, sometimes by the minute checking in on us. And we can't thank you enough for that.